0: Welcome to Auto Off Topic. Andrew, what's going on today?
1: Oh, usual. We got some project updates. We got to talk about some auction results. Sweet. We uh, interesting DSM. And uh, we got some events going on. Yeah, some good stuff. And a couple minor
0: blips of diecast stuff we'll chat quickly about. We won't
1: spend too much time on tokens. Yeah, it's- And an interesting story, too, about uh, gas that kind of goes with that old episode we had about uh, gas stations and such.
0: Oh, excellent. This is a, uh, I don't know what you're referring to here, so I'm definitely into it.
1: You want to jump right into it with uh, some project car updates, Andrew? Yeah, we can do that. So I I did work on the G20. Um, Oh, yeah, I got that paint the other day. Um, Okay. They gave me, like, a card to, like, try it on, like a... A spray card so i just did it sure. was a white card i just did like one coat of it it'll match it'll probably take like two or three coats to get it to Excellent. The, the, the darkness but it looks really close And plus they're not big pieces so
0: no no and there's a lot of compound curves in them so it'll hide any coloration issues there may be but that's good i'm glad it's gonna work out yeah so i will work on i that. will eat uh, some crow for telling you it wouldn't work
1: yeah, hopefully I'll work on that uh, maybe this weekend if it's if it's the weather cooperates. But, um, yeah, I could do that next. But uh, then I had the rear sway bar for the car. It's an ADCO. I think it's like a 716th bar or something. Um, bigger rear bar. Came with new mounts. I had to buy new rear links. Put that in. It was super easy. I did do a little video on it. I have a bunch of videos of that car I haven't edited yet uh, to try to build up our YouTube channel some more. So I also did a video on the front links because I bought new ones and then put the, you know, it's the old school style with like the two rubber bushings on the end. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's basically just a bolt. <laughs> yeah. But then it basically had like a lo- ball joint uh, on one like end. A long
0: bolt with stacked washer. Okay. Okay. Yep. So one end yeah, is a ball so joint that- and one end is just a bolt.
1: <laughs> yeah. Hi- hybrid old school, new school version. <laughs> Interesting. Um, So I put I had um, white line poly bushings for those, which is funny because the kit they sell you must just be their generic kit for those because it came with enough to do four like links (laughs) or if you had a set with two on each end. So I've got extras now. (laughs) Um, And then I did new drive belts because they were pretty cracked. That took me a little trick to figure out how to do drive belts in a front wheel drive SR20 um it's It's basically like it's pretty tight and they're really deep in there uh but it uses like the long bolts and the threaded block kind of like a Subaru alternator that or like Subaru belts but those are like super easy to get to um I don't even think I'm trying to remember now if like the town and glant are this way. I can't I, I haven't done belts in like five or six years on one of those. I can't remember how they they go together now. Cause I know you had to like Yeah. I'm, not. Yeah, I'm blanking. On a but on a Subaru and definitely on a Mitsubishi, you would you would loosen the pivot bolt that like say the alternators on or the power steering pump. That's what it is on the on the I'm jumping around a bit, but on a town and Galant VR4, power steering pump, you actually loosen the bolts. Pull it over with a pry bar, and you tighten the bolts. There's no uh, tensioner,
0: but on the alternator, so the power steering is, pump uh, is
1: the tensioner. Yeah, I think the alternator is similar. But anyway, you would loosen the pivot bolt, and especially on the Subarus, if you don't loosen the pivot bolt and you try to move this tensioner, you'll break the tensioner bolt um, because they're usually rusty. So I'm looking at this thing. I see it. I'm like, well. I don't want to break that tensioner bolt because it's really annoying. I've done it before uh, on Subarus uh, and those are easier to get parts for. <laughs> and it always takes a couple days. So I'm looking at, looking at both the service manual on my phone, looking, I can't see the pivot bolt for the alternator, but the service manual doesn't say anything about loosening it. It just says to loosen the tensioner. And I already made sure I had sprayed it with penetrating fluid and that it would move. It wasn't going to break. I'd actually unbolted it from the alternator. Um, It seemed like you were just supposed to, like, push the alternator down to, like, loosen it. It wouldn't budge. I'm like, all right, well, I don't know. Let me try something. So I took a – I was over at my dad's garage. I took a a brass punch because the the alternator is aluminum. I don't want to hit it too hard and break something. And I tapped it uh, with the punch and a hammer, and it moved down. Like, untension the bolt. So, I, ba- I guess you just, that bolt just lives in the mount at a certain tension, doesn't actually get tightened down, so it can't move. And that's how you do it. And the power steering pump was like the similar on this. It's on the back side of the engine. I had to, um, I actually did have to loosen this one because it rusted a bit with steel to steel. And I sprayed it with some lube. It wasn't that tight. I undid the bolt, and then I was able to, by hand, go up top and pull it forward to untension the belt. I've got some cuts on my forearms because it's really tight in there, and you can't even go into the wheel well. But once I got it on and figured it out, it wasn't that bad. And they were pretty dry rot and cracked. so Definitely good preventative maintenance. Well, yeah, especially because I was getting ready to do a track day. So the... Power steering pump belt also drives the water pump, which would be be annoying to lose. And the uh, belt off the crank pulley drives the alternator and the AC compressor. So again, also would be annoying to lose to not have the car charge. Um, Either
0: way, you wouldn't be driving the car home, probably.
1: No. So then I wanted to bleed the brakes. I put fresh Motul in them. Now, I had done four calipers, new pads, rotors. It was like the, I think it was like almost the nicest pads you can buy on Rock Auto for this car. still not very expensive, like Centric, whatever super ceramic pads they sell. Sure. So, um, I, I remembered now the right-hand side rear caliper was seized, like completely seized and I replaced it. And as soon as I pulled the hydraulic line off the old caliper fluid started coming out totally normal, put the new caliper on it. Gravity bled basically before I bled it um, through the pedal. This was way back when I was doing it. I, I go over to the left-hand side to do that one. I Remember when I took the line off, like no fluid was coming out and I was like, that's a little weird, but
0: yeah, I kind I of remember heard that part or... of
1: the story. So I, you know, put that caliper on, open up the bleeder. Nothing was really coming out. I'm like, that's weird. So I I bled it with the brake. And it was a little hard to press, but fluid came out and no error. You know, so I didn't think much of it because it bled right. I'm like, cool. I did the flush. I got all the rusty colored. I guess the way to describe it would be like the fluid uh came out like like a black tea. And the clean mo tool that goes in looks like a green tea. Is like the best way to describe it. You know, like a dark. It's like dark. Well, that's iced tea. Very
0: convenient way to describe it because I'm currently drinking a glass of Arizona green tea, so I know exactly what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, it's that very light golden color. Yeah. That's what yeah. fresh brake fluid should look like. If you've got regular iced tea and it's that dark golden color, almost caramel, that's dirty. And if it looks like Coca-Cola, you're in real big trouble. It's well past, which the yeah. majority of cars on the road do look like that because nobody ever
0: changes their brake fluid. It's
1: an underrated fluid to change. It makes a huge difference, uh, especially in you track day because it, it heats up. You can boil it because it attracts water. So anyway, yeah, I
0: definitely an overlooked maintenance item by a lot of people, even like dedicated car enthusiasts often don't probably yeah. maintain their brake fluid.
1: So originally when I did the brakes, I didn't have four jack stands handy. To to bleed the proper procedure, so I just did the normal furthest one from the reservoir, second furthest one from the reservoir because I was doing the rears first. Uh, but when you actually read the the service manual, you need to have all four wheels off because you bleed the right rear furthest, then you jump to the front left. It's got a cross up. pattern. Yeah, it's got a cross pattern setup circuit, and then you do the. Right, uh, left, rear, and then front right. Um, interestingly, when all of the each one that I did, as soon as you loosen the bleeder, except for the um, rear left, like bled really easy. Like you could tell that the system was open. Um, the right one was like really hard to press the pedal. It was making like a, it's making like a squeaking noise when I was doing it. And I was like, eh, I don't know, it's coming out with no bubbles kind of weird but it should be working um so anyway uh come to find out and I kind of realized this during the uh during the track day a bit and actually on the highway I had a panic stop on the way home the car jumped to one side
0: okay the, so one side was definitely more grabby than the other
1: yeah the the left rear is not actuating as hard as it should like, it's barely grabbing. And I'm almost wondering if this is related to the ABS light coming on because it's being tricked into thinking oh, it's not working. Yeah, that could be it. So I want to try to fix this problem before I even attempt to change the sensor.
0: Yep, for sure. I didn't even think about that.
1: Um, because, it, yeah, it's seeing the other side slowing down and this side not slowing down. And the only thing it can think of is that the sensor's bad because otherwise the car is slowing down. Like, it's sort of working.
0: Yeah, possibly. I mean, I've, I've, stranger things have happened, right?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I figured it's best to solve this first and then figure out if it needs a sensor or not.
0: Yeah, it's real a shot anyway, regardless of anything else.
1: So, uh, you again, I looked through the service manual. Um, it's got a dual circuit proportioning valve. So it it's I believe it's similar to the way a Subaru brakes are set up where they're across and not front to rear. So it's like the, I think it's the front, yeah, it's front, left, sorry, front, right, rear, left, front, left, rear, right. It's like one's the primary, one's the secondary. And it actually shows you how it goes through the valve. But it's not like uh, some proportioning valves are just basically like a block. With all the lines going in them, and there's probably restrictor valves in there. This one seems to have like some extra nitrogen thing, maybe on it for ABS. Maybe it's some sort of damper. I don't know. Turns out it's not available anymore. Annoying. <laughs> Much anymore. like most things for this car seem to not be available anymore. Um, like not even through looking at like I, I looked at like parts Sork which goes through like the Middle East. A lot of people use for JDM cars. And then I looked at Adiyama, which goes through like uh, Japanese dealers. Uh, so I found it supersedes another part number. It's literally, so far I can tell, this this brake proportioning valve was only available in 94 to 96 G20s and 90 to 92 Nissan Stanzas. So cars that just don't exist anymore except in your Exactly. Way. Exactly. So G20s have a little better chance of existing in junkyards. I'm going to have to try to find one. It's it's annoyingly on the firewall. It's not something that people usually salvage because it's just not a common thing to go bad, but apparently it can go bad. Um. So yeah, I'm going to try to find one because I looked it up for some other non-ABS cars and it's basically just like a... Uh, it looks like a junction block for like fittings. Hmm. Like It doesn't have this little extra thing on it. Maybe it would work. Maybe it wouldn't. I don't know.
0: I'm sure you could make something work at the end of the day. I mean, you don't, you don't want to change it to like a, a manual valve or anything, but worst case scenario, there are aftermarket solutions that would work to, you know,
1: make it work somehow in the end. Maybe it's, it's got four lines going in. Yeah, there'd be, there'd have to be a way to, there's a way. What is a will is a way, right? Yeah. And I would prefer to just find an original part to put in it. No,
0: absolutely. But I think one of the neat things moving forward about, you know, older cars as parts become more and more scarce for cars that we like is there will be people who are figuring out these solutions for stuff like this. You know, it already exists in the DSM world where parts don't aren't made by Mitsubishi anymore. So people have made their own and are doing a pretty good job of it. So. Hopefully it'll start becoming more common
1: for some other cars too. Yeah, um, yeah. I'll just keep keep looking out for one. So if anybody's got a Nissan stanza that they're parting out, <laughs> look at you, Ethan. Yeah, no, that's a. Is
0: that a wagon? It's a stanza stanza van. Um, I
1: assume I it's the what? same.
0: I don't know what year it is, though. Oh, I don't either. He's he's the only person I know who actively owns a Stanza, though, so it made sense.
1: (laughs) I had to Google uh, that Nissan Stanza generation. I was like, I don't even remember these. What year was it? 90 to 92. So it's a very square car. Yeah, I'm like, it was apparently replaced by the Altima, so it must have been smaller than the Maxima. It was in between a Sentra and a Maxima. Yeah, so that would have been the Altima. It yeah. eventually became the Altima. Yeah, t- totally forgettable car. Like, completely forgettable economy car.
0: Yeah, I forget what they were based on, um, but there was a cool version of it available overseas. Um, Maybe it was a Bluebird?
1: Yeah, it was. And then what happened was the Premier G20 replaced it in japan okay so yeah there was a bluebird version of it and there was a
0: like an sss version i think it was called that was an all-wheel drive turbo huh and it competed in like group a and rally stuff overseas huh um i'd have to do a little more digging because i'm just like grasping at straws in the back of my memory for obscure dumb cars um but i'm pretty sure it's the car that had these two big fog lights built into the grill too it was pretty sweet
1: that sounds there.
0: right. Yeah. Yeah, it was like a bluebird. Oh, bluebird. Yeah. Atessa. Uh, a Tessa? Maybe? Sounds Blue, right. Blue, yeah. Bluebird SSS Atessa or SSS Bluebird Atessa. That was the all-wheel drive, like homologated race car version, which was kind of cool. Mm. So anyway, I'll 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 get to that I Have some corrections for next episode, but uh, they are neat cars, so. Yep.
1: Yeah, because yeah, that, so, uh, that, that
0: became the Altima, because the first-gen Ultimas weren't, they actually were decent cars. When the, the first-gen Ultimas came out, they weren't the, you know, rental-spec car they became. They were a fairly competent um, economy car, so.
1: I can't even picture the first-gens.
0: Um, so you remember the Disco Potato from Sport Compact Car?
1: Oh, those Ultimas. I confused those with the Sentras that were so. It
0: was the one. So that was the the facelift of, but it was the earlier version of that. So they did look like a potato. I think so. Yeah. Oh, maybe. The, maybe that car was. Well, now, now, see, man, you're you're, dig- you're digging too
1: deep <laughs> into the weird car knowledge. I'm, maybe the car was a Sentra. I don't know. They were like. They remind me of like. This is weird, but like a seal's head. Like it looks like the head of a seal. <laughs> like if I don't know, know what picture. you're talking about, so I'll just leave
0: that alone. But that's okay.
1: All right. You know, like what a seal looks like. The head of a seal, a seal is kind of like. round and like frumpy looking. Imagine that as yeah. a car. That's what that car is
0: uh sure I'll, I'll let i'll let your imagination go with that one this is like we're both okay. lying on the ground looking at clouds trying to describe a cloud and not knowing what the other one's talking about all right all right, all right don't know what right. you're talking about all right I'll, to, I'll, I'll have to look up the um disco potato too because now i'm now i'm questioning that i'm gonna have to pull out the uh the old google machine here and see if i can figure it out so that was the Sentra. dang now i screwed it all up so basically it basically looked like that car, but earlier it was probably the same size as that Edge Generation Sentra. Mm. So, yeah, I anyway. can't remember what they look like. But moving on, have you, have you worked on anything? No, I have not actually. I haven't touched a damn thing. I've been back yeah. in Phoenix now for what a week and a half. Um, and not only have I not touched anything. I haven't even, like, set foot in the garage or moved a cover off of a car. I've just been too busy with other life stuff. So Not even
1: any uh, cars and coffees or anything, huh? I haven't done anything.
0: I literally have done nothing. Um, I have some life updates to go over a little later on in the podcast when it fits in. uh, And that will explain some of it. Uh, But last weekend... Oh, I did. I did go to Cars and Coffee last weekend, but I didn't even bring a car. (laughs) I didn't bring a car because I had plans to do something afterwards and it was four till four's adventure machine day. Yeah. Which isn't really, you know, it's, it's more like if I had a Range Rover or a Land Rover or a Montero out here, I'd bring it, but I don't. So I just took my Volkswagen to go out there and uh, meet up with our friend, Chris, because I hadn't seen him in about a month from being in Massachusetts. Here we hang out, catch up. Grab some coffee, and then uh, I had some other stuff to do. So I didn't even bring a car to Cars and Coffee. So I just parked down the street and walked up. So it was definitely. Uh, I've I've been I don't know who I am this week, Andrew. I'm I'm very lost. All right, fair enough. Uh, th- fair enough. Thankfully, I uh, have cars on my desk to make me feel like a car guy still. Because right, I haven't cool. I haven't I haven't touched a thing. It's 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 been it's been weird, and uh, the weather's been strange here too. It's been very monsoony with like heavy rain and debris and wind and just not stuff you want to take your nice cars out in. I don't, yep. I don't mind driving them in weather, but actively driving in like flash flood warnings and falling trees and all the debris is in the road here after a rainstorm. It just, it would, it would, it would border on abuse of the car. So everything just kind of stayed tucked away and not touched and not worked on and not nothing. So, mm-hmm. I should I should be outside right now actually working on a car because it's like super cool out today, but no, we have a podcast and we're dedicated to our podcast. So oh well sorry. I'll sit here and chat with Andrew if I have to, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, no, I haven't touched any car stuff. Sorry, Andrew. All right.
1: All right. Bad bad, bad
0: podcast host. Um hey, auction results. Big time. Um, big news. Big news. The first one to crack the barrier, I think.
1: I think so yeah yeah it's also local to me yeah i've never so, seen it unfortunately uh, but no um so a talon a 90 talon tsi yep uh, so first bringing, year when i'm bringing a trailer it was it's purple with the black roof silver it's bottom. Like black cherry uh yeah black cherry black i think cherry. is the color name right yeah i don't remember pretty car call them black cherry uh yeah Typical. It's the gray interior they all came with. um It's a low mileage car. I gotta pull it up here. I think it's sub fifty thousand mile car if I remember correctly. I should have prepared and hold it up, but I didn't
0: because I was pulling up some I other stuff right here. uh, uh Yes, yeah, it's, it's a uh, twenty thousand eight hundred and fifty dollars with forty one thousand miles. Forty one thousand miles. Yep. Um, yeah, it's quite a car. It's got a couple of things that. uh aren't correct
1: um i noticed it's got a weird exhaust on it yeah so i remember talking to him on instagram about it it just it, somebody changed the exhaust or it rotted off or something or okay he was trying to find the original exhaust and i was like you're gonna have a really hard time finding the original exhaust in any type of good shape so i think he yeah did i think best. that was the
0: worst the worst thing on the yeah. car was the lack of a twin tip exhaust that has like a a weird single tip
1: exhaust system on it. Yeah, it just has like a replacement, but that's easy to fix.
0: Yeah, and, and I guess, you know, even a low mile car will suffer probably even more so from exhaust rot because, you know, it builds up moisture inside and doesn't get driven enough. So, mm-hmm. probably yeah, um, normal thing, but it's a super nice car. And, you know, it, it almost pains me to say this,
1: but I would pay 20 grand for it. These days I would, um, yeah. I mean, if I had the space, yeah, I'd be looking for one to just keep as a stock one. Cause I do just have a very soft spot for these and a soft yeah. head. So, and
0: other, yeah, well, we all, we, we both have that. <laughs> I mean, listen, I, I spent, I, I have a few dollars now into a non-turbo first gen. So I don't have 20 grand into it by any means, but more than if you told me a few years ago, I'd have more than $500 into a non-turbo Eclipse. Yeah. I would tell you you are crazy, and I have significantly more than five hundred dollars into a non-turbo yeah. Eclipse. Um, but this this Talon has it's pretty much my old car with a different color. Yep, yeah. uh, it's the same options, same interior. It yeah. has the the uh, cassette deck and the CD player stack, so it's two single DIN units. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty much you know non sunroof. You know, it's exact. It's optioned exactly the same, save for the color, as my 1990 Talon was, and it certainly makes me, you know, yearn a little bit for my old Talon because that, that was the car that really, that was the car that kicked off all of this real car stuff for us. I mean, neither one of us had a Talon for our first car. but We both had one for our second car, and it's really what kind of shaped us into the
1: dumb Mitsubishi nerds that we are today, right? So did you, have you ever talked to this seller? I, I talked to him because he was at Radwood Vegas with his Gallant VR4, which yep. is also super, super nice that he bought off Bring a Trailer for like yep. 15 grand, which I think is like the most expensive I've seen one sell for. Right. I've, I've never met the man in person. Um, I think we've had some interaction somewhere on Instagram or Facebook or something. Yeah. I um, just talked to him about the car cause I, I, I own one and I was just telling him how nice it was it's the nicest one I've seen and. Um, I think it was green. Like a lot was uh, Belize green, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I think think it was nice enough that we convinced the organizers. I think it got best Japanese that day. It may have something like that. It may have. I don't remember. It was very, very nice. It got got something. I'm
0: pretty sure. Yeah. It was a good car. Yeah. It was a good car. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this guy's got impeccable taste and he only buys the best of the best. So he has his collection is constantly evolving and changing, um, but it's evolving and changing around cars that we like. So he's got a pretty significant collection of Hondas too that are Hondas and Acuras. He's not he's not yeah, just golden for sure. Yeah, <laughs> he's definitely a there. lot of golden era Hondas. So it's funny because there's three people that I know of within an hour of here that all have a pretty significant collection of golden era Hondas and Acuras. So it's weird little convergence of them here in Phoenix. Oh. They're neat. This car is neat. I, uh, it's neat to see one, you know, obviously it's a, a collector spec car and $20,000 is not what they're all worth now, but it's neat to see one getting the recognition that it deserves Um, as a collector car. They kind of have faltered for a little bit. I think one sold for like 15, maybe not too long ago, a year ago, a year ago. Yeah. I think um, so, and there were some that were in the ten, there quite a few of them in the $10,000 range.
1: Yeah. So for a few years before that. Yeah. So, so I, I would, if I found a nice one, there.
0: I would, if I found a nice one and it happened to pop up in a moment in time where I had the money to buy one, uh, I would certainly not, I would not, not buy one for $20,000 if I could, had I been in a position to, I just think that they're yeah. a good car that you're not going to lose any money on. And they're one of those, You know, up and coming collector cars. Um, What I also always look at because, you know, my other dumbness is conquests. So one just sold yesterday on Bring a Trailer for twenty two two fifty. So those are also the most expensive one, right? No, there was one that there's one that touched thirty, but it only had like eight thousand miles on it or something. This is a this is a more reasonable car. It's a seventy five thousand mile car. Um, Yeah. It's a very nice car. It's an 89. So we've talked about that before. 89 is the year you want to get. It has all the correct options. You know, it was, uh, I think it has the SHP package, the super handling package. Um, it has louvers, which I don't love, but hey, they're there. Um, and it's just a super clean car. It's actually in New Hampshire. It was in New Hampshire. I don't know where it is now. It was it was in New Hampshire where it sold from. But it's, again, another one of those cars that... For years a seventy five thousand mile conquest was a four thousand dollar car, which as a cheapskate enthusiast, obviously I appreciate it. But now as somebody who wants to see them saved and not all driven into the ground, I also appreciate seeing a twenty two thousand dollar conquest because it means this car won't be driven every day and driven to the ground. It will be, you know, owned and maintained and and taken care of forever. So I'm into it and happy with it. I like it. There's another one ending tomorrow at Sotheby's, so that'll be interesting to watch too because Sotheby's is a interesting, more spendy platform, and uh, it'll be interesting to see where one at Sotheby's goes to. That one's got some more miles on it. It's also at 89 Conquest. Um, I think it's offered at no reserve, so hopefully it hmm. goes for decent money. I don't know... If it's online bidding live or if it, all the bids go tomorrow, I'm not sure exactly how that works with Sotheby's, but it's supposed to sell tomorrow, so I think it's an in-person auction, but that'll be one I'll definitely be watching tomorrow because it's one of my favorite combos, the you know, bright red over the tan leather interior, which is one you don't see very often, usually red's got a black interior and tan interiors with a white car, but it's a, it's a neat car, and I'm definitely into it. So I have some other auction news, Andrew. Oh, yeah. Uh, I have a new job. Congratulations. I uh, I know you already know, but that's okay. I, uh, I no longer work in the insurance industry. Congratulations, rescinded. Yes. <laughs> I, uh, I no longer work in the insurance industry. Um, an opportunity arose here in the area that kind of fit everything we do. And it really fit my want and desire to do nothing but look at pictures of old cars all day and discuss them. So I kind of jumped on it. Um, I say it's auction news because I'm working for one of the one of the top five, maybe even top three, online vintage car auction houses. Um, it's AutoHunter.com it's presented by classiccars.com, which is a long time existing online platform for selling cars. Um, and then our main parent company actually is Barrett Jackson. So it's a pretty interesting place to be. Um, i never, I didn't set out looking to work for an online auction company. It just kind of happened. Um, the opportunity arose. I, I took the shot and, and, and took the job. Um, So basically I sit at a desk all day and look at pictures of old cars and, you know, determine values and set reasonable reserves on cars so that we can sell them through and get cars onto their, their next, their next owners. Uh, It's definitely eye opening being on the other side of it, you know, seeing what the cars come in at and, you know, what customers think that their cars should sell for versus what they probably will sell for. And, you know, trying to meet that happy medium of making the customer happy and also making it a level of car that we could sell for that price. You know, if somebody, I, I won't go into specific examples because I don't want to, you know, we're we're, we're public here and I don't want to have somebody hear me and say that I'm making fun of specifically. But if you have somebody that thinks their car is, say, worth $200,000 and it's a $30,000 car, you know, it's an interesting conversation to have. Um, it's neat to kind of see the back end of that. Obviously 200 to 30 grand is a, uh, a big, you know, a big Delta, but even some people that will see, you know, a 1990 Eagle Talon sell for $20,000. And then the next day they'll be like, well, I'm trying to list my 1990 Eagle talent for $20,000. Will you list it? And then, you know, if it's a nice car, obviously we'll look at it and, and say, yeah, but having that conversation with them when it's 150,000 mile car with, you know, a repaint and maintenance and modifications. And we're like, no, you know, you're going to have to list your car for, Oh, I don't know. We'll put a reserve of seven grand, you know, Mm. and it's becoming, it's, it's interesting to see um, where those numbers come from and go to Uh, trying not to be too aggressive and, you know, ticking off customers, but at the same time trying to make sure that, you know, we put the car at a reasonable number so that it sells and we can maintain a decent, you know, percentage of sales. Cause at the end of the day, you want to keep your sales up because people are going to use you because your car's going to get sold. Right. So it's, it's interesting being on the other side of it. And it's uh, some, a lot of neat stuff happening with, you know, Barrett Jackson acquiring the company and learning all the ins and outs of some Barrett Jackson stuff. And Trying to figure out what's happening there, and it's 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 going to be exciting for me, um, and I'm pretty sure this is going to make some interesting podcast discussions in the future too, especially when events start happening. So uh, there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that I can't talk about yet, but I'll be excited when I can. Let's put it that way. So, awesome. Um, uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited, and it's I gotta say what Andrew, it's a trip because I've spent my entire adult life working. In and around cars, right? Exactly. The biggest frustration for me was working in and around cars. I've never worked with car people. And now everybody I work with is a car person. So having a conversation about, you know, customer cars or cars that are listed places every day is just work. Yeah. And that's pretty damn good. Because I could talk about cars all day, as you know, and as our audience knows. But to to be in a place where everybody's an enthusiast, everybody owns vintage stuff, everybody has a toy. Um, You're not looked down on for wanting to have some weird old car. It's just, it's a normal part of the culture there to own strange things. You know, I, I sit next to a kid every day who, you know, has a 944. And we talk about going to some of the same events whether it be four to four cars and coffee or, you know, different shows here and there or different drives that we enjoy taking. And it's just, it's refreshing from being in a place where nobody wants to even care about cars. And the fact that I drive a car older than, you know, 2010 is considered dumb and awful. So it's uh it's, it's a neat culture change and I'm a hundred percent here for it. Now they always say, don't do what you want to do as a hobby for your career cuz it'll burn out your hobby part of it but i i think that talking about cars all day won't get old for me so i'm uh, i'm I'm pretty excited for it i've only been there about a week now but it's been the most enjoyable work week i've ever had so i'm uh, i'm stoked that's no, good so yeah everybody go to autohunter.com and uh check out the site there and see what's going on. Uh, I don't write all of the listings, but I'm sure if you start reading some of the listings, you can figure out which ones I wrote. So they have some of my typical language in there probably. You can read it with my half-assed Boston accent, right? Hmm. So it's uh, autohunter.com. Auto, auto it's of no relation to auto Hunter that used to exist in New England. Um, which I think that was the auto Hunter. Yeah, but nobody there was really aware of it because it's so far removed now, it doesn't exist anymore. No. Um, they were all kind of like, what? <laughs> I had to I found a picture of the old Auto Hunter magazine online and showed them and it was like, oh my god, that's interesting. So it's it's
1: totally removed from that. Like
0: I said, it's it's I think a-
1: it literally went out in like early 2000s like whenever remember... craigslist started taking off and all the yeah. print ads started dying
0: so those who are not in new england auto hunter was based in saugus massachusetts it was a weekly i think weekly right a yeah. weekly like newspaper print classified magazine, strictly for cars you paid when you sold your car yep so i don't know how well that worked out all the time the, the honor system um yeah. actually that's um, I forget which car I I definitely bought a car through Auto Hunter. I don't remember which one. Was it the Talon? No, the Talon came from the Salem evening news. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I still have that ad clipping saved aside here, so
1: I don't know why, but I do. So, I used to like the shorthand you had to use. Yep, yeah, P S P W A C. Yeah. Uh CD CC. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was it was definitely because you only had so many characters in which you could describe your vehicle.
1: Yeah, it was even less than like, you know, Twitter first was like one forty. Now it's like two forty, but it was even less than that. It was like fifty or something. Oh, I don't think it was
0: even fifty. It was
1: it was like you had the main description, and then you had
0: like I don't know twenty five letters in which to describe your car, yeah. and it was you know six ninety nine a week to run the ad, but. Yeah, the the, we auto, won the
1: tiny black and white picture.
0: Yeah, the auto trader was neat cuz it had the pictures and it had usually had a color section maybe on the cover. We could have a feature car on the cover for extra money. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was definitely a trip, but that is uh, no longer in existence and uh Auto Auto Hunter is now an auction site geared towards vintage cars. Um there's no specific I don't want to say there's, there's no, there's no theme, you know, it's not rad for sale. It's not not taking away from those guys. Cause still want those guys to do great as well. It's not, um, cars and bids where you have 1980 and up cars. It's, it's anything interesting. Um, they definitely skew a little bit older because a lot of their clientele is coming from the dot online sales. And that is always skewed a little older. It's like kind of like 75 and down cars. But we're trying to expand and kind of move into all the other markets. So if you go on there now, you'll see some more modern cars around there right now. I think we sold like a 2013 BMW 635 mm-hmm. convertible today. Um, we've done a couple of new Shelby GT500s, and currently there's a. Mustang uh saline S281 like a 2009 so there's there's some newer stuff on there um I did it I did do a search and see what Mitsubishi's we've sold because you know Mitsubishi uh, nerds and apparently we've sold 2 3000 GTs and a Diamante VRX
1: interesting though
0: so, yeah yeah there's been a couple couple cars gone through there but you know, we're, they're based here in Arizona in Phoenix, um, but it's a North America wide site. We've cars all over the U.S. and Canada for sale. It's not just local cars; it's it's seen everywhere, and it's it's growing quickly. So it's it's neat to see that. But anyway, yeah, that's my that's my big news. Um, that's why Andrew is being ever patient and waiting for me to get home today because I get stuck in traffic, and we're recording this at very late time in New England.
1: Oh yeah, I guess it is. I did have a I had a coffee with dinner, so.
0: Okay, perfect. So you don't care at all. all right. Never mind. Yeah. Suck it up and do the listing. Do the do the listing. Do the recording. Yeah. I'm stuck. Man, I'm stuck in work mode, dude. Listings, listings, listings.
1: I guess so. But
0: uh it's 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 really neat to see the cars that are out there for sale. It's absolutely amazing to me how many cars are put away in garages and just not touched. I mean, the stories that come in, like, you know you know, bought the car in two thousand and seven, have driven it four hundred and thirty miles. It's like mm-hmm. so crazy to me.
1: I don't I don't understand how much of that exists and what, Yeah, there's certain cars like um, you know, you, you should have instead of buying that car you should have parked that money in the stock market.
0: Yeah. And it's not even it's not even cars that they're buying as an investment. It's just like I mean again not to be specific but let's say you know a 1975 Pontiac Bonneville convertible like you bought it in 07 with 40,000 miles on it and now it's got 40,230 and now you had to put all new tires on it and put a battery in it and do all the fluids and just to sell it and the car is not worth anything still it's just a, it's it's a it's a weird it's weird to me to see how many cars are out there. It just means that we need to get bigger on the campaign of, Hey man, drive these things like they're cars. They're meant to be driven. There's no, mm-hmm. there's no reason just to park them. It's you own this cool thing, get it out there and let people see it. Let, you know, let them see how it used to be. I mean, I don't, like I said, I understand not taking them on a daily commute, but take it out on Sunday morning for ice cream with the family or something. It's just interesting to me. There's so many of them, you know, yep. co- Cobra kit cars with a, a thousand miles on them that were even built since 2005. Like, how could you not put a thousand miles in that car the first day you finish it? Like, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense.
1: Uh, I think the thing with the Cobra kit car, you got to be real into it. Like you're, you you probably think you're real into it and you build it. Then you drive it, you realize you're not that into it because it's, it's like a hardcore car. Like, oh, it's a very hardcore car. You got to, you got to be pretty hardcore into it to really enjoy it. So then you realize how kind of annoying it is probably to live with daily like it's like the glory in your mind doesn't live up to how great it is to drive maybe there's exceptions to everything like I'm sure there are certain people that drive the crap out of their cobra kit cars, but oh hundred percent there are a lot of people that just drive them to cruise nights and there there are
0: so many listed for sale at any given time, you know, and I'm reviewing new listings on a daily basis, and I see. You know, at least every other day so far, a Cobra kit car has been in there. And the one I did today was a 2013 build or sorry, 2006 build, you know, and it had literally 1175 miles on it. It's just like even, I don't know, I, I can't imagine putting all that time and effort into something and then not using
1: it when you're done. Yeah. yeah. Even if you don't like it, just at the point to be like, I built this, I'm going to use it. Hey, some people just enjoy the project. It is what it yeah, is. what
0: Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it's just, it's, it's, that's one example. There's, there's so many cars out there that just, they get, they get bought and parked and not thought about again until it's time to sell it. And I just don't, it's just bizarre to me. I guess I'll, I'll never understand it because I like driving things, but whatever. Yeah.
1: Anyway, moving on. Hey, you got any, uh, scale project cars? Anything? <sighs> no, no
0: scale project cars. Um, well, I, there's some exciting new scale tried. car stuff coming out. I did yeah, just pick well, up the latest, um, Hitachi, I don't even know what the name of the series is because it's all in Japanese, but they do. It's a historic car, Japanese historic cars series. You know, they do a monthly magazine where they release the magazine and a a new 124 scale diecast. I didn't know this. Yeah, they, they just did a, uh, early flat body Starion. So obviously I had to score one of those. I think there's pictures of it actually pre-podcast, um, I don't have a lot of the Hitachi cars. I have most of the Mitsubishis, surprise, surprise. Um, I have a a red Eclipse first-gen export market car, so it's literally my car. Um, they have a 74 Colt, which is a Lancer Japanese model. Uh, they have a Silver Gallant VR4, which is an 89. I think an 89, maybe even 88. It's an early car. Uh, they do a 124th early 3000 GT, and they have a uh, Mitsubishi Celeste, which is a Plymouth Arrow. But I don't have... The only one I don't have is a 3000 GT because it's they're not cheap, and I don't love 3000 GTs enough to spend that much money yeah. on them. Um, and also, I already have a 124th scale 3000 GT in red from the Tamiya model that I built. Um, and I don't have the... Mitsubishi Celeste, because it's hard to find for uh, a reasonable price, and I'm not, I'm not like 180 dollars into it. So, if I find one reasonably, oh, there's also a Colt 600, so an early, an early pre Lancer pre Colt. I don't have that one either, but they're neat to collect. I mean, they're 124 scale, so they're model car size, but they're diecast, so it's kind of a strange diecast scale, I guess. We think of 124 scale diecasts, you think of like nascar models or yeah or like toy level kids toys not not a lot of uh
1: franklin mint stuff was 120 yeah
0: franklin mint that was a weird franklin mint and all all the mints in the 80s and 90s Mm -hmm. which pale in comparison to modern stuff i would say that these cars here are actually pretty much on par with an 80s or 90s franklin mint um but they're weirder cars and they don't cost as much so I'm, i'm into it they're hard to find. If you don't buy them when they first come out, then it's it's almost luck to find them later on. To not find them for exorbitant amounts of money because they only make so many of them, and then they go away, and they don't make them again.
1: Yeah. It's not
0: it's not like a typical diecast manufacturer just pumping them out with new colors every year. It's they come out once a month and a new car each month, and they're gone forever. So they're neat, but. They're unimportant in life. Yeah, them, I've anyway. got
1: some, I've got some pre-orders for some Para sixty four stuff. Yep. So it's to come out in the fall. There's yep. A, there's a Galant. They're doing a white one. Yeah, they're doing um, a white
0: street car and a gray streetcar. car, uh, and it's a left-hand drive as well, which is neat. Yep. Uh, and they're doing two new liveries on their Galant Vf4 race cars. One of them is very similar to the already released one. Uh, it's the typical Mitsubishi rally car livery. One is a Monte Carlo rally, and this is going to be a, I think, a rally? Wales rally. Whales GB. Yeah,
1: and I don't anyway, have. Um, and they're doing an Advan, the Advan livery as well. No, sorry. I have uh, doing a
0: Camel livery, which is cool.
1: Yeah, I don't have the other ones, um, actually, which I need to find them. I, I didn't realize they were out, the regular ones. Yeah, the, Ad, um, the uh, camel one, you mean? No, the camel one's not out yet. I don't have the regular Mitsubishi ones. Oh, okay. I don't think I do. I got to double check. I thought
0: I, I thought you did because I thought I sent them to you, but maybe not. I, um, ah, maybe
1: I do. We'll have to double check thing. through our old messages. I, yeah, I've been in, you know, because I, I still, I'm just getting to fixing up my basement again after all the renovations. So I got to go through the boxes of stuff that I have so I can go back on the shelves and yep. I'll have less boxes down there. Put things um, on display. Yeah. And uh, let's see, I got a, there's a couple 850 boy fifty wagon versions that are coming out there's like a, a norchlife one okay uh i there was a powers doing a na a red na miata oh interesting yep that's pretty cool pre order that problem is i pre order them from 99 yeah 1999.jp.co.jp co.jp and yep. then i forget and they <laughs> and come they and it's like thing. a gift you're like oh cool <laughs> Well, I get the email like, "Oh, your pre-orders in." I'm like, "Oh, uh, it's only twenty bucks. All right." <laughs> sure. Oh, you don't pay
0: from ahead of time? No. Oh, okay. See, I like we pay from ahead of time, and then you know, four months later, something pops in the mail. You're like, "What is? Oh, sweet! I already paid for it. Nice."
1: <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, that that stuff's cool.
0: Yeah, there's some other stuff coming out that's that's interesting, but I don't have enough details in front of me to get into it. But um, there's an uh, Advan version of the starion race car coming out too, which. Ooh. I'm super excited for. So, anyway, uh, you did some events this week, Andrew.
1: You want to? Uh, you want to talk about? I your, did so, uh, track night. Yeah, so I did the track night at the beginning of the month at uh, New Hampshire Speedway Motor Speedway (NHMS). Um, that was in the Gallant, there before, right? in the Glant. i had been there before. Uh, the fir- very first time I did it, 2008, was in the STI with an instructor. So I actually knew the track pretty well. So even going out and doing it 10 years later, more than 10 years later, 12 years later, long time, 11 years later, um, wasn't that bad. Car was pretty quick. Uh, needed some suspension work, which I hadn't, I haven't put those coilovers in yet. Uh, it was running a little warm. So I was like, well, the next one is at Thompson. Never run the track before. I've only been there to watch stuff fairly new track it only came into being i think in like 13 or 14 like well it was a old track in the 50s and i think it it they kind of stopped using it in the 60s and they just stuck with their oval track they had and then they decided to reclaim the road course and actually like retraced the original road course and redid it um so that it it was one of those weird things where so it's the original 50s design Hmm. in or basically and it's one of those weird things where i thought in the early 2000s we would never see new racetracks in new england and we had like four or five be built in the last 15 years like there's thompson palmer yeah it's it's actually it's Carl actually Lutter crazy canaan was another old track that was reclaimed yep uh, yeah it's wild um yeah i was cool. actually listening the it's other
0: great. day to a, a smoking tire episode and um Matt Farah was talking uh, very positively about what Palmer is and how how nice the facility is and how cool it is. It's just like in the middle of Massachusetts (laughs) where you wouldn't think there'd be a racetrack.
1: Yeah, it's wild um, that they all exist. And then even just looking at uh, Motorsports Reg, all of the track events that are available, like so many track events now, like it used to be there was like one or two clubs when we were like getting into this in like the early 2000s. Now there's like 10 clubs that do stuff. Yep. Um, there's no shortage of it. And that gets to my point coming up. So um, anyway, I want to go do Thompson. Klein uh, had been running. It was a little warm. I didn't have a chance to do any air guides to it or any other stuff. I was like, oh, let me try the G20. It's a, a quicker track. I've never been there before. Use a slower car. Well, <laughs> um, here's the thing. So, Track night in America, it's open to anyone. Basically, any cars can show up. You've got novice, intermediate, advanced. Um, I guess I'm not the first person to run into this. Uh, the problem is, and maybe it's not a problem. I don't know. It's, it is what it is, right? So modern cars in the last 10 years, modern sports cars, incredibly capable. Like, anything modern cars modern cars in general it doesn't it doesn't matter i
0: mean we
1: 300 horsepower of a camry nowadays like okay but that but i don't give a shit about the camry because it doesn't handle well so disregard that if you go out and you buy a modern sports car you want to use it on a track i get that sure right so you you bought your new camaro your new mustang uh you get your new corvette your new porsche 911 you've never done a track night you've never done a track day before you're gonna go do track night in america So you show up, you're in the novice class, you're fast as shit, like out of the bat, (laughs) like like, which is kind of terrifying. (laughs) Um, But it is what it is. That's just the way it is. I'm just, I'm getting back into this from being, I like, I stopped autocrossing in like 2011. I used to autocross all the time. I had the benefit of having, I had a 2000 SI I started with in like 04, so a new car at the time. Uh, then I had an 05 STI. And then I had my Evo 10. So, like, very modern, very quick cars at the time. Uh, now I'm getting back into this. I just have older cars. I show up with an older car. It's I can't even keep up, like, in the novice class. And that's the, that's the problem. That's my main gripe. And maybe that's my problem. Maybe that's the SCA's, SCCA's problem. I don't know. I mean, they they felt bad. Like, they're trying to, like, work with me. I'm like, I just... Like, I don't know the track. Um, I'm trying to get comfortable going faster. And it's like... Basically, there's like four straightaways at Thompson. And like, it squiggles. Like, it's got a long straight that you can hit over 100 on. Into a sharp hairpin. And then it's got like a bunch of switchbacks. And then it kind of pops you back out through their oval and back out to the main straight. Uh, But basically each one of those straights is a passing zone. So I'm trying to like not go too hard down the, the straights because I'm just trying to learn this car. That's the other problem. I should have like autocrossed with this car first to like figure out the handling. Probably my mistake to go to a track, a track night first with it. I was, you know, I've had the, the, the glant for a lot longer, so I'm a lot more comfortable with it. Um, and then it turns out it has this brake problem so when a heavy brake the right. car is moving around more than I expect, like it felt just wicked squirrely. And I'm like, that doesn't, I'm like, that doesn't feel like the rear bar. Like I've driven front wheel drive cars with a fat rear bar. They don't handle like that. Right. Um, Cause my SDI used to have a tight bar rear sway bar, uh, integrity. Your bar, rear SI. Sway bar. Your SI. Not yeah. S.D.I. SI. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm like, I just felt like a rolling roadblock because I'm, I'm trying to manage, uh, keep you on the line, taking this corner, but I'm also driving my mirrors more than looking out the front windshield because there's people behind me. So I'm trying to give point buys because that's the thing, right? Like, I don't want to, like, I understand I also paid for this track time too, but like, I don't want to aggravate people and then have somebody do something stupid and wreck into me like because right. they're getting annoyed and they can't go past me because they're also technically. Uh, Novices too, so it was just like I don't know. It it, it sounds well, frustrating. I
0: I totally understand where you're coming from. It's almost like it. there needs to be a dedicated slow car night, but it's hard. How do How do you quantify that? How do you qualify that? And how do you make it make sense financially for the club to run it? You know, exactly. it's, it, is it a slow car night? Is it a vintage
1: car night? Like, how do you do? And and I get how, it. how do you like, do that? A lot of people do it in slow cars, and like well, like what's the big deal? And it's like, well you've probably been doing this a lot longer and you're used to going really fast and a fast driver and a slow car will trounce a a new driver in a new car any day. Like, sure. Like, absolutely. Like you can, you can totally fly. If you knew how to drive the track and you're comfortable going fast, you could absolutely flog people in my G20. Like, yeah, I'm sure. But I just wasn't, I'm not used to it. I just, I've been out. You're Andrew Pascarella, not Randy Probst. (laughs) Like you don't know that yet. You're learning it. Yeah, i'm I'm trying to manage learning it and it's just like it was just so nerve-wracking i was like this is not relaxing this is not enjoyable (laughs) i think the difference with nhms it was uh it has a lot of elevation changes okay a lot of slower sections and we we just ended up more spread out and it wasn't really bothering me that much like i really didn't have that many people come up on me you were also Um, driving a much faster car I mean, like the the, the Gallant Snow,
0: you know, dragster, but you were able to get some pretty good speed in the straightaways, so that would eliminate that that yeah, quick give me some distance. You'll <laughs> it, it, maintain some distance between you and the other cars, whereas you know, the G20 is strictly a momentum car, and you're not comfortable building up momentum yet. Then you're not going to have a good time.
1: Yeah, I, I I literally hit like 60 on the front straight because I'm like. I don't want to go over 100 because I don't know how this thing's gonna break into the front hairpin that only has like 100 feet of runoff to a wall.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: that would not have been that would not have been fun to crash the car. Yeah, so. th- that's the point. Like, I'm not. It's not a door to door race here. Like, I don't. Yeah, like I don't need to have. We, we've f- said it before. I think we said it last time we talked about track days. Like, you can't win a track day. You can only lose a track day. So, let's try it's not to that. do either. I'm conflicted here. I don't cause you know, I'm talking to granted the, the, the two people that run it or the, that were running it, they were dealing with my group. The woman felt really bad. She's like, well, she's like, put you in a different group. I'm like, I, yeah, but then they're just faster. Then they're like the intermediate, the advanced, they're they're quicker. Yep. I'm like, but you're I'm definitely just, in the way. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm just not comfortable. I'm just going to, I just going to call it now. She's like, all right, well, you know, email, see if they can do something for you. I'm like, all right, I don't really care. I, I feel like, I paid for it. It's Yeah. Again, it's it's not it's not. They did nothing wrong. It's just the it's it's what building you comfort to show level. Up? It's just. <laughs> I mean, yeah. a, a guy had a C8. I'm overhearing him. He's like, "Oh, I got to look up in the owner's manual how to turn on whatever." Like it was literally brand new to him.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Which is fine. I get it. Okay. I'm glad that you're driving your cars too. Like you're not just going to oh 100 percent. Yeah. Cars. That's that's what we that encourage all, all the time. And honestly, if I could buy a brand new supercar and go to a track day, I would do. But I can't afford. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. But the problem is, you're out there with 120 horsepower, and he's out there with
1: 420 horsepower, and it just becomes a. Uh, and if it's there's a lot of straightaways,
0: then it's it's tough for you. It's absolutely tough it's
1: tough, tough for to you. manage. Um, and even they were saying that, they're like, there's a lot of really fast cars here tonight. Like, it's just tough. Um, but you know. So basically I was talking to them, I'm, I'm conflicted to whether or not I should even go to, to Lime Rock to do it, because they're like, well, Lime Rock's even faster. Um, right. And I definitely wouldn't be comfortable driving it, so I should probably um, decide that whether or not I want to do it, and then see if I can get my money back, which I probably can. Well, I think that maybe driving the Galant would be a little more comfortable. <sighs> I don't even want to do that, because I'm not used to the track. I don't want to wreck there. Yeah, I th- I think the best course of action is to not do it, and to find another group that does when yeah, instructor led laps. yeah, maybe that's maybe that's what it is. You need to build up confidence before you can go back to one of those events. Yeah, because when you are with an instructor, there is no, that's there's I like no dig on you at all. I did it. <laughs> no, I want yeah. an instructor because they it's literally it makes there be less cars out on track because they only have so many instructors and everybody has to ride with an instructor, so they break up the sessions a little shorter. Okay. They tell you yep. where to go faster, where to break, where to take the line. If people are coming up behind you, they're they're helping you watch the mirrors. They're telling, okay, let this person pass, or you're coming up to someone. They're like, all right, we're gonna get this person's attention, then you can pass them. Like, it's it's a lot better if you're not used to it.
0: Yeah, and then once, yeah. like you said, once once you get more used to both your cars at speed and the layout of the tracks you're on, then you can go back and do one of these, you know, open lapping session track nights in America
1: without as much trepidation. And then I should probably, well, I'm definitely trying to fix the brake issue (laughs) because that made the car feel really weird. Uh, It actually made the the tires feel like they weren't that sticky, but they probably are. They probably just weren't hot enough. Um, Right. Cause around like on ramps, when you don't touch the brakes, the car feels really uh, grippy. Um, and then the car turns in and rotates really well, uh, probably just do a couple autocrosses with it and then I'll give me some limit feeling. And, um, that's probably a better way to approach this. I, I went a little gung ho with the the track nights, I think. So I think I'll look into that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's not,
0: again, it's, it's no, it's no dig on your driving skills. It's just a comfort factor and you know the, the smartest move is to make sure you're comfortable in something before you hit it hard and make an expensive and uh painful mistake so i totally respect that and i'd probably be in the same situation you know i i'd, I'd love to start doing some track days and my
1: cars have not don't even have 100 horsepower so yeah if you shut up in your colt it'd be like oh my god <laughs> yeah that's what i mean but they should, it'd be, it'd it's a like run, you're in a
0: Model but, T yeah it's a run with your brung kind of thing but there's it's almost dangerous to have an open track night with a 400 horsepower plus car and a hundred horsepower car on the same session. Yeah. It seems like a recipe for disaster. I don't know. Maybe there's a better way to do it. I know, there's, I know there's a group on the West coast that does vintage car only.
1: It's like yeah, pre 85. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I was even talking to, um, uh, Paul from hello road and cause he, okay. he does it with his fit. And he was like, Yeah, I really, he's like, I've really thought about setting up a, a group that's like 150 or less horsepower. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Yeah, you call it, you can call it high fun, low horsepower. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it would, that's the other thing. It would be really fun. Um, if you have somebody to pace with that's in a similar powered car that you could just kind of like do, you know, follow chase laps with, that's probably yeah. really fun. Yep. Fun to, and, and you could learning experience too. Yeah. Cause you, you don't have to race each other, but, you know, like you can switch lead follow like somebody, you know, would just be like, because there's no good driving roads around here. This is like the only choice is to, to go do some track days where I live here. Right. And uh supposedly mass tuning, we we dogged on them for their events early on um supposedly well, we to them really not, for, not for
0: their events for the people that go to their
1: events yeah so it was supposedly... it was the fault of mass tuning it was the fault of the people who showed up supposedly everybody tells me that their track events are very good because it yeah i've, track I've event, heard that track, the track eliminates all the jokers
0: <laughs> yeah well, exactly you're not you're not going to get people showing up you know p- part of the problem was all these for lack of a better word kids showed up and they were showed up in cheap beaters and they were all just getting high and revving their engines. Like it wasn't it wasn't the car culture that you were looking for. Those people are not going to show up at a track night because they're not going to be allowed to pull their shenanigans. They're going to be thrown out. Um, and that makes it a little bit more, you know, inviting for true car people. And I think the cool thing from the pictures, at least I've seen of the mass tuning track nights is this less cars on track probably than a track night in america and there seems to be a good number of smaller displacement
1: miatas and hondas and things of that nature yeah i did see that they i was looking at their schedule they're doing like a specific honda day i'm like oh that makes sense like right yeah i I bet like if i was into doing it right now if you asked like hey can i bring my front-wheel drive infinity yeah can i bring my basically
0: nissan my nissan
1: civic sedan (laughs) yeah you could, you might be able to get a pass to get in or something, but yep. <clears throat> so anyway, that's my experience. Uh, you know, not as good as the first time, but I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's definitely a neat thing. And it's, it's
0: nobody can knock you cause you tried it and by trying it, now you know what you need to do to make it to the level where you can enjoy it. Yeah. So I think that's, that's the important thing to remember, like. Everybody's got to start somewhere, right? Anybody who gives you crap for saying that, hey, did, did you do it? And if you did it, did you do it in a 100 horsepower car your first time? With with a guy in a brand new Corvette pacing you and a guy in a brand new Porsche
1: next to him and a ZL1 yeah.
0: Camaro behind him. And...
1: Yeah, it just felt a bit like, uh, all right, you can, like, here's the deep end. Like, when I just want to wade out and, like, doggy paddle. Right.
0: <laughs> right.
1: So... Anyway, uh, other events coming up this week is uh, Lime Rock Historics. Yep, Labor Day um, weekend every year. Yep, that should be pretty cool. Stephanie and I are going to take a little Marco down there on Saturday. Check it I out. I will not
0: be there because I am
1: not in New England.
0: Nope. I'll actually, I'll be. Uh, I'll be not doing. I'll be not be doing car stuff this weekend too because I'll be in Oklahoma.
1: Yep. Uh, coming up in October, I think I forget what day now. Greenwich Concours? Concourse? Concourse. Greenwich, the Greenwich Concord. Yeah, I'm not sure how you're supposed to pronounce that. It's green, It's spelled Greenwich. It's Greenwich. It's called Greenwich, Greenwich, Greenwich. Concord d'Elegance. October 22nd to the 24th. Um, I bought tickets for Saturday, so I'm going to go check it out because that is the same day as the Radwood class. Okay, I think the main day is Saturday. Yes, um, yeah, I don't know. Just be aware, it's not an actual Radwood. So,
0: yeah, don't don't just show up in your eighties, nineties car and costume and expect to get in, because unfortunately, it's not that. It's like a it's a Radwood display at the Greenwich Concourse. Yeah. So, if you want to join, I don't know
1: if it's is it still open to apply.
0: Probably not. Oh,
1: I have no idea. Yeah, I assumed I it would be inv- invite only. I think you could apply.
0: Maybe I'm talking about my butt now. and I don't know for a fact, but I thought it was like a.
1: My only gripe with them is it wasn't made very clear early on that it's not an actual Radwood. Right. Uh, so a lot of people get really excited because it's the closest one to New England, but it's not yep. an actual Radwood. It is a fancy concourse. Uh, and the tickets are like eighty bucks a piece. Yeah, they weren't cheap.
0: Which concourses are but that? Hot. Yeah, so you can you yeah. can still submit your car for review. Yeah. So if if, you're, um, if you have a car that you feel is worthy of a concourse and is also a Radwood era car, you can submit your car for review at Greenwich at uh,
1: Okay. So. Which I did learn something. So it's it's being held by Haggerty, uh, and also Haggerty's yep. been doing a ton of events. This is not in an advertisement for Haggerty. It's just happens. Hey, listen, I, I endorse them. 100%. With, yeah. They were involved with track night in America too. They're just everywhere right now. Um, if you're a Haggerty customer, uh, I didn't really realize this. And I may have talked about, about going to the IMSA race at Lime Rock, log in and go look at the driver's club events section that you automatically get with your, um, insurance policy. Because you can often buy discounted tickets through there.
0: You um, actually do pay a little more for the driver's club.
1: Okay. It's not but automatic I think
0: it's with the like, insurance. You, it's like $30 a year. It's so cheap.
1: Yeah. I think it was really easy to opt in and not opt out. So yeah. I think most people get it. But yeah. So anyway, I basically paid for that subscription by buying the Lime Rock tickets for the historics. So they're normally $45 and through Hagerty because I'm a driver's club member, they're $25 each and they have a Hagerty carc rally you can park in. So inside the infield, which is huge. You don't have to walk super far. It's
0: $45 um, here on top of your insurance.
1: Yeah. So, but it's full worth it. Cause it also comes, even if you don't go to any events, it comes with a monthly magazine. That's a super high quality magazine. Yeah. Um, so, and then for the Greenwich, it was like a 20% off coupon. So, so there's that. And then also that was the other thing at Lime Rock, they have like cabanas with like drinks and snacks. So like, definitely it's pretty cool. Like I, I was like, man, I really need to make sure I double check this every time there's a car event that comes up that I'm paying for.
0: Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You could. I mean, I'm just looking at it right now. And not even events like you get 10% off of an order at California car cover, 10% off yeah. of Coker Tire, 15% off Griot's Garage, like 25 bucks off every track night in America you want to do 20% off Skip Barber.
1: Yeah, I've, like, yeah, I've used that. <laughs> and, yeah, they, uh, and they'll also, they'll insure you for a track night too. Yep. Like they'll, they'll give you specific insurance just for that night. Yep. So it doesn't go on your regular policy. Be crazy well worth it so
0: I'm looking for their events thing I don't see it but I can dig a little deeper later
1: yeah all right so we're getting a little long here but let's get to the topic I had was uh, we talked about gas stations and gas uh, this was probably a couple of years ago now um, yeah we were talking about why certain states won't allow you
0: to pump your own fuel and how it became the standard across the country and the history of Fueling your car, pretty much. We did a whole episode on.
1: Yeah, so apparently um, Algeria has become the last country to stop using leaded gasoline in 2021. It seems weird that it still exists. Yeah. Um, I don't
0: didn't know it still existed because it seems weird that manufacturers would still be making a car for the Algerian market
1: that ran on leaded fuel. Well, it's interesting because apparently um, this is from an NPR article. And I guess I started on Twitter and some people had some issues with it. Some They're like, there's some minor facts that weren't checked. Like it was still available in or it is still available in aviation fuel. Correct. Off-road fuel. Yep. Yeah. Like race fuel. Um, that's why it has a sweet smell. Um, turns out it's mm, not very good for Lead. You. Yeah, Um, and yeah, it's interesting. So they early on, they realized I had to double-check with my dad here what lead was used for because I kind of forgot because the article, I think, was also wrong about that. Um, So let's see here. The article says... uh, The article says it was used to improve performance in 1921. Yes, Uh, and then there are other... Now it says there are other additives that could serve the same purpose today. It's ethanol, which I don't think is true. Ethanol is used to thin gas out basically. Um, Yeah. And keep, and keep corn farmers in business. Yeah. But so what my dad said uh, it raised the octane level of the gas to prevent detonation. That made sense. Uh, I remember that. And then when I was, yeah, then they they could then raise the compression ratio of the engine to get more power out of it. Okay. Raise performance. Um, but what I couldn't remember exactly was he said it also helped transfer heat from the exhaust valves uh, to the exhaust valve seats and cushion the valves when they closed against the seats. And he said that's why you should put hardened exhaust valve seats in an older car with cast iron head. Yep, he anytime you take apart building. like a, a pre-1972 car, mm-hmm. you want it.
0: I think seventy I think it's 72 is the, is the changeover. You, you want, want to put those hardened seats in there. I remember I did that in the in my 68 Camaro, when I did the heads over, You know, I, when I broke the timing chain, I had to do the yeah. heads over. And I was like, well, I might as well go all the way and put the hardened hardened seats in there because obviously they don't have to run the lead additive anymore at that point.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and he said they had to stop using lead because it was clogging up catalytic converters, which is interesting because uh, you could still get leaded gas, it says, until 1996 because a lot of my early... 90s cars have little stickers that say unleaded gas only. And you're yep. like, well, why would they say that? But because you could accidentally, apparently, still put leaded gas in a car.
0: Yeah, I've i certain places in the country that, that I've seen pumps that say um, lead
1: lead added lead lead added fuel. Yeah, at the pump. Still to this I've day, I've seen I think, actually, I've seen ethanol free ones, and I try to get if I see that, I try to use that gas because that. Oh yeah, for sure. You get you get way better mileage out of it. Because uh, ethanol doesn't have the same burn power. It's as... not watered down. That's basically <laughs> ethanol is basically watering down fuel. Yep. So
0: well it's neat that th- this country's not gonna use it anymore for just everyday driving vehicles. I'm so just like I said, I'm surprised it still even existed as a an option wild, right? for <laughs> a daily vehicle. Like it seems like such a a strange thing for a manufacturer to be like, well, we gotta make the cars for Algeria with different
1: valve seats because they still use lead in their fuel. Like so strange, uh, we didn't talk about, so the reason why it was so bad and quickly, they quickly realized they needed to get rid of it was because if you use it in a fuel, it comes out the tailpipe as emissions. It literally was like aerating lead. Like, so that's for a long time there. Yeah. Yeah. For a long time, there was literally just lead in the air. It's really good Uh, for uh, developing children. Yeah, that's that's where they were finding it. They were finding it in kids and like in people. And early researchers are like, "Where's all this lead coming from?" Like, couldn't they couldn't figure it out? And then they finally realized that it was being spewed out of the tailpipe. And yeah, it's it in. it's so,
0: nasty stuff for for a developing yeah. child to ingest that much lead. And that's part of the reason that you know you have all these lead protocols for paint in old houses. You know, if you had a house built pre 1975, or they are 77, whatever year it is. They want to, you know, you have to get a lead inspection to make sure there's no lead in the paint on the place so that you could actually sell the house because they don't want children eating lead chips anymore because turns out it ain't good for them. So it's just strange how much well, stuff sort of lead was in.
1: You can get it just from even just contact. It's it's um turns out. It's, yeah, it's so crazy. Even, even our we our son had to be tested because and it was like a some normal acceptable amount. And the pediatrician was like, Yeah, that just that's just like a baseline. It just exists. Like it's just out there. <laughs> it's wild. Even, yeah, even this because this house we we tested different multiple different spots and couldn't find lead. So at some point it was either painted over very heavily or or removed. Yeah, because your house but was built in what, nineteen twenty two? Nineteen twenty. Nineteen twenty? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So there's definitely lead paint in there somewhere buried deep. Yeah. But so just it's and it's even it's not even great for adults like it just it no i'm not i'm not saying
0: that's thing. exclusively bad for children it's bad for everybody but it was exclusively bad for for children because it affected something in their their neurological system to and it stunts their
1: you know learning ability it's nasty stuff yeah it's not good mhm yeah it's interesting though but anyway it's i'll neat stuff. follow it up with that
0: yeah but yeah i'm glad it's gone Again, it's not gone because it's still an aviation fuel and race gas, but I'm glad it's gone and any other, all the other reasons. Listen, it's it's yeah. kind of hard to be a environmentally friendly car enthusiast sometimes. So any wins a win, right? Exactly. I I know we're doing this thing that is you know not cool with environmentalists, and you know we want to try to be as or as little impact as possible on our surrounding environment, and still enjoy the things we enjoy to continue to enjoy them for the rest of our lives. So it's good to see any, any improvements, good improvement.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Excellent. Anything Andrew. Else? I don't, I think I'm good. I'll tell you what, I am a hungry man now. I'm ready to, uh, all right.
1: I'm ready to get to dinner. dinner. This a long episode. All right, cool. So uh, you can find me on off topic. No, sorry. You can find the podcast on off topic on off topic podcast on facebook auto off topic on instagram uh you can find me race and anger on instagram and i'm hanging out on twitter lately and brad where can they find you they can find me on instagram at tsi ss 350 all right cool so as always keep your guys analog lead free and aim for the roses